welcome to the She Plays on Women's Football podcast. I am your host, Harry Chan. It seems more and more likely that the Women's Super League season will end after the FA released a new statement just this week. Developments in England today surrounding the Premier League. Here are the big takeaways. The FA have reportedly told the Premier League clubs it will insist the season is finished on sporting merit. The earliest professional sport could resume in the United Kingdom is June the 1st. And the Premier League reportedly will try and convince government to allow matches to be played at home stadiums behind closed doors. As the government continues to ease lockdown measures, multiple sources at independent Sky Sports all report that the WSL will be ended and the FA, as I've said, just released a statement this week saying that they're discussing all possible ways to go forward but also not ruling away the very likely possibility of ending the season. If we take a look at the table this season, currently Manchester City topped the table, but with Chelsea just one point away and Arsenal four points away. Now both have a game in hand, that means if Chelsea win that extra game, they will leapfrog Manchester City and in theory go into first place. Now at the end of the table, at the bottom of the table, Liverpool sit at the bottom with Birmingham having just one point above them, but also having a game in hand. Now, clubs have already expressed concerns over the sponsorship deals should the season be cancelled. At the this very moment, of tier three to seven of the, the football league uh, for women's football have all been declared null and void. There will be no relegation for the championship. As for the championship promotion, Aston Villa are currently six point clear at top and will very likely be promoted. So compared to what is happening in the WSL, it seems that the situation in the championship is way clearer. We must stay alert. We must continue to control the virus and save lives. This week we thought we will look at BBC Sports Season Sofa Awards for Women's Football. So we'll be looking at three separate awards, Player of the Season, Young player of the season and also best manager for the women's super league. For player of the season and young player, both of the awards went to Arsenal's Vivian Miedema, whilst the best manager award went to Emma Hayes. For the player of the season, it was chosen out of 10 players, and top three respectively is Vivian Miedema coming first, Beth England, and Daniel van der Donk and coming in in a close fourth is actually Leia Williamson. Vivian Miedema has started 14 times this season for Arsenal and scoring 16 goals making her the current top scorer in the Women's Super League and also she has backed herself 8 assists this season. Ball is fell to, here's Miedema, it's three. Never in doubt, when the ball is at her feet there is only one outcome. Now, Vivian Miedema is only 23 years old and will probably be one of the future stars for Netherlands and of course with uh, the player coming in third, Daniel van der Donk, probably another one that will be very important for Netherlands in their chase for their World Cup and perhaps defend the European Championship title in the coming years. One of the my favourite aspects of uh, Vivian's game perhaps is her work rate, how she tries to get involved in the game. And if you look at, for example, the Continental Cup final, you would always see her dropping down to midfield when necessary. 
and always, always chasing down the ball up front. And that's very important for Arsenal this season, especially with a lot of injury problems in the team. They need someone who's working hard and someone who's willing to get involved in the game so that they can win the, the amount of games they're currently winning. Coming in second in the BBC Best Player Award is Bethany England, who has had arguably her best season so far, being named England's number nine. England's a march at the back post. She's waiting for it. She's got it. England's won it for Chelsea. Having made 15 starts for Chelsea, Beth England has scored 14 goals and have assists under her belt. One of the best things about her style of play is how she gets into good positions on the flanks in the middle wherever she is needed and working very well with the new striker at Chelsea Sam Kerr from Australia. If they continue to work so well this season even next season could be very very good for Chelsea with this striking pair. Now coming in third is Daniel van der Donk, making 15 starts for Arsenal with 5 goals and 4 assists. Now these numbers might not be so impressive compared to the top 2, but she is an important player after Arsenal lost other attackers to injury. Their captain Kim Little, their winger Beth, Beth Mead, and relieving pressure on midfielders like Jordan Nobbs and the winner of Player of the Season and Young Player of the Season Vivian Miedema. She is Daniel van der Donk, a very creative player and important for Arsenal in the final third in terms of creating chances, especially when Arsenal really, really lacked attackers this season and find it very hard at times to break through defences. Now coming in fourth is Leia Williamson, one of the few defenders that are selected in this award. She is again 23 years old only as well, same as Vivian Miedema, and arguably one of the best ball-playing defenders. Now she could be key to England's problem, the Lionesses, who under Phil Nafal is trying to play from the back, although the problems of this we will explore it probably in another episode, not this one. But if she continues to improve, she could solve England's problem of not being able to get the ball away from their back into the midfield and up to the final third. Her ability to move the ball from the defence to midfield effectively relieves pressure on the back line in England for Miley Bright or Steph Houghton playing alongside her and avoids those long passes that England have been trying to send up but not really working as we have seen in She Believes Cup just a few months before. So usually after the awards we talk about players who we think got snubbed or should deserve more recognition. Now my personal take, I think Sophie Engel for Chelsea and Chloe Kelly for Everton deserves more recognition. They were nominated but they didn't come in in top 3 and not the 4th as well, 4th one to Leia Williamson. And first of all Sophie Engel, she's a very solid defensive midfielder that moves the ball upfield and shields her backline, a bit like Engolo Kante at Chelsea as well. In a sense, she is a very underrated player in Chelsea because I think Sophie Ingle is vital to the position in the league, given how she is able to shield her defence and also move the ball away from the defence. 
a very big thing in I think it's WSL is how you move the ball from defense to the midfield because of the amount of press you see in the WSL. I think Sophie Ingle is probably one of those players that deserves way more recognition than she's currently getting as we see in this award. As for Chloe Kelly, this is probably her breakthrough campaign after her time at Arsenal and she has been absolutely crucial to Everton's rise in the Women's Super League. Kelly likes to cut in from that left flank onto her right. Might fancy having a go, does. Oh, what a goal! Everton have the lead, a strike of the highest quality. It doesn't get much better than that. Chloe Kelly with the goal. Now what I think makes Chloe Kelly so special is her ability to create chances to get the ball in the final third and not needing the teammate, any teammates to really feed her the ball within the 18 yard box or even within 25 yards. She's the player that can drop down to the flanks in the middle, get the ball moving up with her brilliant footwork really and take those long shots that are so so important in the Women's Super League. Now, in terms of the awards in general, there are six strikers slash attackers chosen, and in my opinion, there are some glaring omissions, like the defensive pair at Chelsea, Miley Bright and Eriksson, who is Chelsea's captain, or at Manchester City, Steph Houghton, Gemma Bonner, or even Everton's Gabby George, or Arsenal's Katie McCabe. I think this award shows in lack of attention really to the importance of defence in the WSL because you have goalkeepers who in general are shorter and need longer time to reach those top corners meaning that long shots are actually very effective in the WSL and that if you swing in crosses from the side it's less likely that your goalkeeper will come up to claim them rather defenders will have to deal with those incoming crosses as for manager of the season, the winners Emma Hayes, manager of Chelsea with Joe Montemuro and Casey Stoney, manager of uh, Arsenal and Manchester United respectively at close second and third. Emma Hayes' Chelsea currently sits one point behind Manchester City with a game in hand and one of the key games for Emma Hayes is the 4-1 win against Arsenal mid-season and Hayes was praised for her tactical preparations before the game. Job well done for Emma Hayes. Must be delighted with her team's performance here this afternoon. Now at Arsenal, Joe Montemuro, very, very tough season for him. His options were severely limited by injuries, losing Continental Cup in the 89th minute to Chelsea, with very little substitutes he could make but then when we look at Arsenal I think we sometimes see that Arsenal lack a coherent tactic at times there's a very very huge dependence on Vivian Miedema and really sometimes a shaky defence at times and the inability to convert chances in the final third perhaps point to a bigger problem than the current injuries would cover for John Montemiro. Now coming in second he deserves it in my opinion coming in currently third in the WSL uh, with the team he has, the amount of injuries he has suffered I think this is a very very good season for him but then I think after the season during post-season probably some things he has to look at would be how they are converting chances in the final third because in the Continental Cup 
they had the chances, they had the ball against Chelsea, but they just couldn't convert. They had a lot of chances to put the game beyond doubt, and yet they were only able to even find an equaliser late, late in the game in the 80th minute or so. And of course, the shaky defence, meaning that when you can't convert chances up front, a few chances for the opposition would be more than enough. As for Casey Stoney from Manchester United, leading them from the Championship to the WSL, now being fourth in the league, although in truth it is in part due to the team they are able to build uh, from the fame and the financial support from the men's side, from the men's club, but then it she she's doing quite well in all honesty because adapting to WSL, i.e. moving your club from part-time to full-time, is a very tough job. and. We have to give all due credit to Katie Stoney for her ability to bring the club from the championship to WSL so successfully and now being coming in fourth in the WSL. Now in other news this week the US women's national team appealed the equal pay court case. Their spokeswoman saying that equal pay means paying women players the same rate for winning a game as men get paid. In France, Lyon were crowned champions in the D1F, the League 1 counterpart in French, the Tires League in France, after the French government banned all sports until September. Meanwhile, in back here in the United Kingdom, the Football Association hits tar- the target 3.4 million girls and women playing in different tiers and levels in women's football. Welcome to In Focus. This is a session where we take a crash course into one of the topics in women's football where we think there's a lack of attention with regard to that topic. Now this week we want to look at the financial situation of the football clubs in women's football. Now coronavirus of course is exposing the fragility of women's football, but it is not the main factor that has led to that fragility. Now most of the teams rely on their counterparts to cover for their losses. Now however some clubs like Glasgow City FC they only have a female team and they're still doing quite well in, for example, the UEFA Women's Champions League. Now to clarify, the coronavirus perhaps showed us both the good and the bad of linking women's football with a parent club, usually the men counterparts. Now most WSL or Women's Championship teams would go bankrupt even without the virus if they don't have the parent club. However, some clubs look to their women teams to cut costs and especially during the coronavirus we see a lot of the times that the men's club the parents club try to cut the teams and the women's club have no power to refuse this cut so in this session we ask two questions first why is it so hard to earn money in women's football when we compare to the premier league and the men's premier league and second, how should these football clubs move forward, especially after the coronavirus? Now, people have been divided about the reason why women's football team can't earn money. They say it's because of the lack or the low amount of sponsorship deals they have. 
low attendance, low amounts of prize money, the amount of money you win after winning a cup or going into certain parts of the cup, lack of support from the football association, or are football clubs inherently unprofitable because these clubs perhaps yield some intangible benefits for the owners, for example like the bragging rights or as a long-term investment to branding in terms of owning a club and owning a brand. We think here the fundamental problem is attention and coverage. All sporting events earn money by getting as much people to see the event live or on TV or even on replays. Now crowds means match day revenue, that is more people visiting the venue, more people going to the stadium means more revenue, especially if we think of the add-on products like souvenirs, food, drinks, just think about how much you pay for those pies and beer. Now TV coverage means selling broadcasting rights. When you have more people watching, that means you have more bargaining power because you have more audience. That means people tend to care, especially broadcasters tend to care that they earn the right and they can broadcast as the sole broadcaster to people, hence gaining them customers. Now crowds and TV co coverage, therefore, then attracts sponsors to place ads on the site that is on the stadium, at the stadium, or on jerseys. Now some are even sponsor tournaments, for example the Carabao Cup, the Men's League Cup, or the Continental Cup, we've been mentioning, the Women's League Cup. As the official beer of the Barclays Premier League, Carlsberg is rewarding fans for standing by their team through thick and thin. It's not uncommon for you to hear these ads before or after the Premier League games that you watch on TV, on Sky Sports, on BBC, wherever you watch your games. But if we look at women's football, it means that if we don't have enough people at the games, watching the games, clubs will continue to operate at lost. So, especially when we look at the Women's Super League where the crowds are usually less than a thousand people, the average is around a thousand at best. But then why is that? We look at the policies from different clubs, they have very very cheap ticket prices as low as £5. Even at bigger stadiums, when occasionally they have games at, say, Wembley or have games at the stadium of the male counterpart teams, it's around £20. That's half the price of men's football, and you're experiencing pretty much the same experience at that stadium. Now, these are very, very attractive offers, of course. So, why are people not responding? The problem is, when we have cheap prices, one of the adverse effects is that something we call premium pricing. That is, people think when things are cheap, then it's usually of low quality. And when things are expensive, like Premier League games, then things are better because simply of the fact that they are expensive. And the second problem a lot of people point to is a different style of play. People are accustomed to the Premier League and how the media describes the Premier League. You have a lot of dramatization, the red cards, the yellow cards, the dive, the push and the pulls, all those camera angles. A lot of the times when people watch these games, they're trying to not only to appreciate the tactics in game, but rather appreciate the drama and the talking points after the game. So that when they go to office, go to school, it, on Monday or, or after the game, they have something to chat with. They, have, they can talk about that red card, they can talk about that dive, that penalty decision, that VAR decision. So the problem is, people 
usually watch football not just for the tactics but for something else for that discussion and in WSL we lack that because luckily or unluckily there is way less drama if you watch any WSL game players get up after tackle they move on in the game because that was supposedly how football should be played now is it a good thing or a bad thing I don't think it is our call to make it's the audience call to make but one thing is sure people who watch the game do not only appreciate the tactics and in WSL you have a lot of moments where you can appreciate the tactics because the game moves in a different way compared to EPL players play in a different way because you have men's football tactics and women's football tactics so the current FA initiative uh, from the association to reduce this type of stigma really is to introduce a, a free app we call the FA player where you can watch women's football games for free another FA initiative of course is what we call the women's football weekend we have had record crowds before so basically we play women's football at stadiums at bigger stadiums during weekends when is the international week for the men's team so for example holding derbies at men's home uh, stadium for teams for example Manchester derby this season at Etihad the North London derby this season at Tottenham stadium the Merseyside derby scheduled at Goodison which is postponed we don't know until when but we have had these initiatives before today a record crowd in the WSL 38,262 a week after of course we saw that record crowd for a Lionesses game at Wembley then we get a record crowd in the WSL as well what exciting times this is for women's football Terrific, Adam. of course you don't need someone to tell you that these initiatives are not that sustainable there are, for example, a, number, a limited number of international weeks and it's a good initiative to introduce people to WSL but something to think about is how to continue to get people to watch the game. The problem is people would rather watch a men's game on a weekend because of tradition, because of, as I've said, there is a higher chance that you can strike up a conversation about watching a Premier League game over the weekend. I think what we need to do on She Plays on what we think we need to do is to build up this culture that you can watch two games a week and to have, for example, the FA together with the WSL, together with the Premier League, to get into this long-term solution of, schedule, of scheduling games really on a larger variety of days, not just weekday games, which is of course a big uh, no-no relief for a lot of fans who think that midweek games is a problem for the scheduling, etc, etc but rather looking at Friday nights or even Monday nights. We have seen that. But Monday means Monday night football, where you can pick who you pal around with. So strut away, son. There's a big juicy Monday night out there with your name on it. Ultimately, money comes from viewership and that leads to match day revenue, sponsors, are attracted by the audience, TV broadcasters who are attracted by the viewing numbers and also magazines or news outlets attracted by the number of clicks that they can get because of how publicised the tournament or the competition is. So ultimately it's all about participation in women's football. Now first, what can the Football Association do? We think if they continue to raise awareness that will be a great thing. 
because they have the most resources and incentive because the Lioness is the national team. If the local league is not well developed, those talent cannot trickle down to the national team. And for them to do so would meet the incentives, would meet the target for the Lionesses to ultimately win a World Cup or at least a European Championship in around two years' time. Now what we think the FA should also do is to provide support to some newly promoted side, especially those who are coming from a part-time squad to full-time teams, i.e. those who come from the Championship to the WSL, especially those teams that lack a strong parent club. This season the two teams promoted were Tottenham and Manchester United, both have a very very big parent club behind them supporting them but last season a few seasons before we we saw teams such as Yelvo who were unable to stay here simply because they don't have a big parent club supporting them now what can we do of course the most simple thing to say is to watch the games online at the venue it's very cheap as we have said and they are more entertaining than a lot of people think because you have very active squads, you have very active games where players actually play football and not just play for the cameras. And also the players themselves are very friendly, personal experience wise. And um, quite essentially you have a 100% chance of getting autographs slash selfies. Now if you can't attend a game again you can watch it online, which is the way how your club or other clubs and the league as a whole get more sponsors. And ultimately what clubs have to consider is how much they want to rely on the male counterparts, the teams, the parent clubs. And for example, the front of the shirt logo deals and match day sponsors. A lot of the clubs in WSL have the same sponsors, but then having the same sponsor also means that they don't get the revenue that the sponsors pay because it is bundled up in one single deal. Of course, a lot of European clubs have separate in front of shirt deals at different sponsors for the men's and the women's team respectively but then cutting ties of course could mean that the club the women's club has to cover for their own losses and this is something that perhaps WSL teams are not yet ready to just move on to so ultimately yes the balance has to be struck but in my opinion I think WSL teams have to take the initiative to find their own sponsors so that it becomes more and more sustainable So here's what else you need to know this week. As we have said at the beginning of the show, the WSL and the WC, the Women's Championship, both of them are very likely to be cancelled. We don't have firm news or official announcements yet, but it is very likely that both tournaments, both leagues will be ended. And the relegation and promotion policy, we are not sure yet, because as said in the WSL is less clear at the top compared to the Women's Championship and also even compared to the bottom team, i.e. Liverpool, being relegated to the Women's Championship. But a reminder is that nothing will happen before June 1st. There's no games can be played before June 1st anyways, so there is still time for the WSL to consider their policies, although again, it's very likely that they will award points based on points per game. And if that's the case, that means Chelsea will win the league because by dividing the amount of points they have with the amount of games they've played, they do have higher points than Manchester City who are currently uh, the leaders in the league. 
and next week we will be looking at this year's Arsenal women's team. This episode we have talked a bit about Vivian Miedema, the striker, a little bit about their defence such as players like Katie McCabe, Leah Williamson and also the midfield engine Jordan Nobbs. But we'll look more at Arsenal women's this year, especially as I've said, how can they move forward after the injuries? Is it only injury pulling them back? Or is there something else that's deeper, hidden by injuries this season? If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. We'll be back next week, and thank you once again for listening. I'm Harry Chan, and this is the She Plays On Women's Football Podcast. Mm-hmm.